Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Booth, and I've been a clinical hypnotherapist since 2011. I specialise in helping people overcome anxiety and build confidence instead. This weekly podcast will cover a wide range of mental health issues related to anxiety, along with some helpful tips and suggestions that you can try at home. If you have any questions that you'd like answered in a future episode, then please head to www.anxietytoconfidence.com forward slash podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, welcome to this week's episode and another episode of my guest series for 2021. This week I'm joined by Gemma, who runs Everybody Dance and Fitness, which is based in Andover, and provides pole dancing and exercise classes to everybody who wants to get a little bit fitter and a little bit stronger. Now this is a really, really interesting episode because we start out by talking a little bit about pole dancing and about mental health issues that pole dancing can help and support but also some of the challenges of engaging in an activity and a hobby like pole dancing. Gemma then also goes on to tell us about her experience of mental health and a particular period of time in her life where mental health was a serious issue and how she managed to find support and what things worked for her to help her pull herself out of that particular situation and be able to actually start the business that we are talking about in the beginning. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. It's a really, really interesting one and there's loads of really helpful advice towards the end of it as well. Maybe you could start with something a bit easier, like how you got into pole and what it was about pole that really appealed to you. Yeah, so, oh God, I started pole at university so I'm going to reveal how old I am now that would have been 2010 so it's going to be 11 years this year um I did it on a whim um it looked cool and I thought it'd it'd be like a niche thing and at the time back then it was a niche thing but not many people did it at all and also it was a bit risque like no one really wants to admit that's why they want to start pole dancing but it generally is because it's a little bit risque and it's a little bit out there I went to the first class and absolutely loved it, but also was in so much pain the day after. Like I knew it was such a good workout. I couldn't really uh, change gear in my car. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, and the industry's come on a lot since then. So a lot of the people who teach now are um, qualified instructors. So you know not to go that hard in the first lesson and they won't break you in the first lesson. And there's a lot more understanding of uh, the body mechanics involved. So hopefully, you know, with new students and me, I don't do that to them. Um, but I just remember thinking, wow, that was fun and also must be so good for my body doing that. So didn't look back after that, really. Ended up getting super involved. So I ran and the, well, I set up and ran the pole dancing society at the university, which is still going. Um, but it's evolved now to be more aerial art. So it's pole, hoop, silks, I think as well. Um, and I'm still in touch with my instructors down there so I still go and see them um, we collaborate a lot which is really cool and started teaching probably after three years or so of um, dancing because I knew well, I found myself in classes wanting to help people and I was like I probably ought to get qualified to do that before, <laughs> before I start doing it so I ran my own school a few years back 
stupidly chose my career over teaching so I stopped teaching which is a lesson learned uh, because clearly I wanted to do it then started back teaching again probably 2016 and set up my own school after uh, lockdown this year and after going through a pretty rough time just working out what I wanted to do in life really and realizing that full-time job is not what I want in the long term so that's how I've ended up here. What was it about pole that made you like want to start teaching it? Um, I think seeing the transformation of people from when they first come into their lesson and they're really nervous or well you get two sets of people you get people who are really nervous or you get the really overly confident people and both are great both are fab to teach but I think watching the transformation for both types of people is incredible and I remember being in classes and watching that happen and also that happening for me as well because I was definitely the one that went in overly confident and was really cocky <laughs> and then realized how hard it was I was like oh but I still remember thinking I was really confident and actually I wasn't that confident at all and the whole process I went through with pole dancing was transformational and watching it for other people as well was really inspiring and I remember thinking I want to I want to help people do that and I also I was like raving about it all the time to friends like you should do it it's great it's amazing and then started teaching people in my living this is so bad I started teaching people in my living room without qualifications because I was so like this is so good for you and I had a pole up at home and that's how it started actually I I taught a friend for free for about three months before being like I should really get qualified and actually do this properly <laughs> so yeah, that's that's why I got into teaching is wanting to inspire people and, and help people on that kind of journey of building confidence and self-esteem and um, body positivity as well. Because a lot of people come in and they're nervous and shy and you see people turning up with uh, like T-shirts and leggings and it's baggy clothing and stuff because that's what they feel comfortable in. And then within probably about two, three months, some people it happens a bit sooner, some people it's a lot later you start seeing the shorts come out and then they're not wearing baggy clothes anymore and suddenly they turn up with a pair of shoes with massive heels on and you're like yes <laughs> it's happening and you just see them bloom and it's lovely and it's lovely to see how differently people bloom as well it's so inspiring um, and I get inspired by all the people I teach all the time which is really lovely as a teacher so that's amazing. So we'll touch briefly on the risque aspect of pole dancing, because for people listening, there'll be a huge range of people listening, some of whom will be more educated possibly than others. Um, so when we're talking about pole dancing, we are talking about the pole dancing that originated in strip clubs. We're talking about an activity that can be very, very sensual. For some people, it's not. For some people, they're very happy to learn tricks and see it as a gymnastic style. Um, but I would say knowing you and learning with you, uh, you're very comfortable with the more exotic style and the more kind of, I guess, original style, if you want to call it that. So for you, why was that aspect of it so important? Mm, interesting question, actually. So I started off being one of those people that, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, pole community, I started off being one of those people that was like, ah, oh, never came out of strip clubs. It was all fitness. It's only ever been fitness. And I was quite naive in that view. And also I felt I had to take that view to be involved with the university because of setting up the society and things like that. And actually, as I got older, I think you start to appreciate that that's actually quite offensive 
to the people who did start in in that industry they're sex workers they get shamed a lot of the time and actually having a bunch of people running around going yeah we're great we're in fitness gear and look at us doing all these crazy tricks and not actually acknowledging those people who brought that style of dance to the world is really bad so I'll hold my hands up and definitely say I'm sorry to to those people but also thank you because when I did start trying and tentatively exploring that side of pole which happened because of a wonderful lady called Lucy Cropper who I went to see for a tricks class and then saw her huge array of shoes on the on the windowsill I was like you dance in those and for context if you don't do pole dancing uh they range from sort of six inches to nine inch heels they are some of them are insane um and she was like yeah have you never never danced in heels I was like no um and I did own a pair which I'd never worn and I've been too scared to put on and I'd got them with me so we put them on and she said right just just do things like a body wave and feel the music and just see how you feel dancing which I'd never tried I'd only ever done the tricks and it was so um empowering just letting go and being in a space where I felt comfortable that I could dance in that style um that I went away and started exploring that a lot more on my own and I guess I think I really started enjoying it because you could just be yourself you suddenly realize that you can be yourself dancing and if you've got a safe space where you feel comfortable expressing yourself in that way is incredibly moving and incredibly empowering and I think in a world as well where particularly women um, but other groups of people as well are constantly told that you shouldn't behave in that way and you shouldn't be sensual and you shouldn't be sexual and you shouldn't dress a certain way actually when you start doing it and you realize you can do that and who cares oh my god it's amazing and you see that with people coming to classes as well definitely that opening up of expressing themselves is amazing and actually I'm going to add and share a bit of my own experiences as well because absolutely growing up I found that we're taught to be quite ashamed of our bodies we're taught to cover them up so that we don't become an issue for men and we're taught really to kind of not express our own sexuality in the same way that maybe other people have the freedom to do so. So certainly for me, exploring that side of pole was really uh, almost an opportunity to get to know parts of myself that I didn't have the opportunity to before. And you said the word empowering, and for me, it very much was an empowering exercise. And it's fascinating for me still that so much shame is associated with pole dancing because of its origins. And so much shame is kind of passed over to these incredible strippers and pole dancers who work in the club still today, when actually the process of getting into that uh, style and the process of exploring that aspect of yourself is such a confidence giver. It's such an amazing experience. It really improves your connection with yourself and your body. And it's such an amazing experience, which is, this is why I was so excited to talk to you on this podcast, because I think it will be a unique perspective that not many people will have thought of. And it doesn't have to be pole dancing. It can be belly dancing. It can be street dance or whatever, whatever it is that appeals to you. But just finding that thing and having that opportunity to express yourself is absolutely invaluable, I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, a massive credit to the strippers and, and sex workers who do do this style in the clubs and get paid for it because they're working long hours. I know how hard it is to do it for just maybe two or three hours. And sometimes they're doing like eight or nine hour shifts, if not longer. So massive credit to them um, that they can A, keep dancing in that style and still keep that confidence up, even if they're getting tired all the way through. And B, just allowing people like myself, I've never worked in a club um, or any of that, but they allow people like myself to do that style and actually you can be inspired by them and watch their videos online and go oh that looks cool I want to try that and they almost lead the way in being like this is okay for you to behave like this and doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about you like this is for you and you only and you should try dancing this way and see what happens and they are incredibly awe-inspiring and I honestly I could gush about it all day because I'll watch their videos all day long and be like, oh, that's amazing. I want to try this. I want to move in that particular way. Or frequently, um, even though I'm quite confident, I'll watch um, those style of dances. I think there's no way I'd have the confidence to do that on stage. And I'm just in awe of them being able to do that. It's incredible. So massive thank you to them for sort of paving the way, really, and allowing women to express themselves. And that says not just women, there's other groups of people as well. So men do it, they dance in that style. There's a huge uh, community sort of starting to grow, which is the LGBT and trans sort of side of things as well in Pole, which is really wonderful to see. And that, that I can't wait for that to flourish. Um, so yeah, that's that style of dancing is really paving the way to let people just become confident and, and be themselves. And you see it in classes as well, when people suddenly start letting go, they stop not copying what I'm doing, but they, they start moving in their own way and they have their own little nuances that they start doing and you can tell that they've just let go. And that's like the best moment for me because I'm like, yeah, don't, don't worry about the routine I've put together. If you don't want to do that and you want to dance completely differently, then please do. And that's really wonderful when you see because you know you've just had a little bit of break that uh, all they've had a breakthrough and their confidence and their self-esteem and oh makes me so happy it makes me give like a little warm fuzzy feeling inside and I go home happy when that happens as well I can imagine it being very rewarding for you definitely yeah and I've had a few people sort of message me after classes or after class no one else has gone home they've sort of hung around and they've wanted to come up and say you know um, thank you, because this has been incredibly eye-opening and, and moving, and thanks for creating a space where I can just be myself. And I remember the first time that happened, I went home and cried, <laughs> because I was like, oh my god, that's so, A, lovely, and B, like, what a privilege to be able to provide that space for somebody to do that. And often, for a lot of people who come to classes, that is the only space that they have that opportunity to express themselves in that way. Um, you know, we've already discussed that society can be quite condescending of, of people behaving in that way or dressing that way or putting on a pair of heels and having a nice time and also I think we have all these different personas through life like you have your work persona you have your if you've got a family you've got your mum persona you've got your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend persona that you've got going on and often they tend to suppress sometimes that side of you and you, can you imagine being at work and letting that side of you loose? It would be interesting. But I think that's quite natural and it's quite normal. But what that means is 
for some people that hour that they come to class that is the only time that they have to express themselves in that way for them not for anyone else it's kind of their me time and and what a privilege to be able to provide that it's yeah I'm very very humbled by the fact that I can do that so yeah, I like the fact that you touched on the fact that it's for themselves, because I know um, from my own experiences on social media and things, when you start becoming confident enough to put out there some of the stuff that you're doing in poll, um, it can often attract interesting attention. And I think people really don't realise that this stuff that we do with poll really is not for anybody else. Like you're welcome to watch, but you're not a part of this and your opinion is not a part of this at all. So. I think it's amazing that people have the opportunity to do something entirely for themselves in their own space, in their own head. Absolutely. And for those people who do do the style of dancing, I would thoroughly recommend doing at least one session a week where you don't film anything for social media. Because as much as I love social media in that it's great for spreading positive messages and saying, you know, this is absolutely fine to move in this way. As you said, there is a backlash. And if you're not prepared for some of those comments that come in or messages that come in, um, it can be mentally really draining and it can actually knock your self-esteem and confidence. So, and also you're kind of performing without realizing it, you're performing for your social media audience. So you're not just doing it for yourself. So I really recommend having at least an hour a week where you're not filming social media and it is completely for you time. I'm terrible at it now I run a business because I constantly film um, and I'm constantly thinking what do I need to post next to get people interested in what I'm doing and I have to take a step back every now and then and go right hang on don't lose yourself in this process and don't lose why you're doing this process so I just have a reset and um, when we're allowed to go down the studio which I'm not at the moment um, I'll go down the studio for sort of three four hours and just I will forget how long I've been there and just dance and it's so important to have that time for yourself definitely and yeah to all the people who do promote comments on social media maybe just think a little bit before you comment if you see someone doing a little bit what you think is risque or promiscuous or you know that's that's your opinion and you're more than welcome and entitled to have that but it doesn't mean that you should go and comment on that person's video because you don't know the knock-on effect of how that person is is going to feel and they've been really brave putting that out there on social media particularly I find as um because I work full-time and I have a professional job that I have to be kind of conscious of what I'm putting on there and I do censor it a little bit and even then sometimes you're like mm, should I really be posting this and it shouldn't be like that at all and you get the odd comment that's like oh that's a bit should you really be posting that and I'm just like yes it's my Instagram account if you don't like it dog on <laughs> so yeah I think just being mindful with anything and not even just pole dancing but anything you comment on that there's a person at the other end of it and they have feelings and your opinion might you know affect them in terms of mental health or self-esteem or confidence or anything really so just being mindful of that would be my my advice. <laughs> yes, if you're listening to this and you're an online troll, then stop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So you mentioned in conversations that we've had um, prior to recording this um, about your own challenges with mental health. And I just wondered if you'd be able to give us a sense of the challenges that you have faced in the past. 
Yeah, definitely. So um, my biggest thing for me really is stress. Um, and I've done a lot of work to try and make sure I manage it and I'm much better at it now. Thank goodness, touch wood. But yeah, basically, I'm one of those people that likes to work really, really hard and I like to uh, please people. And so I wouldn't say no at work, um, which meant obviously I'd get pressure piled on and on and on. And if they got really busy, I would always be the one who would try and pick up the slack and make everything work. I think now I'm not so naive, but especially when I first started working, I was naive enough to think that that was just how things worked. And because you're naive and willing to help, people do take advantage of that sometimes, which is really sad, but it does happen. And it just meant that um, in several jobs, uh, I'd get to the point where I was overworked, stressed, starting to go through the motions of depression and anxiety. And then would quit quit the job and just say nope this isn't this isn't right this isn't enough and would leave and the worst one was uh last last year no 2019 sorry <laughs> god this year's run away with us because of lockdown um so i was in a job where we were short staffed um i was covering a role for a manager who'd already gone off sick with stress that really should have set the alarm bells off before i accepted the job but Again, being a people pleaser and seeing a career opportunity ticket. Yeah, I was working long hours. It was getting dark in the evenings. I wasn't leaving work until sort of eight, nine o'clock at night. Um, and it meant that I started stopping dancing um, as well. So I was so busy with work, I wouldn't go to classes and I wouldn't teach anymore, which then meant I didn't have anything else to do in the evenings, which then meant I spent all evening worrying about the next day at work or feeling stressed about the whole day that's just happened at work and feeling overwhelmed with how much I was being asked to do and how much responsibility I was being given with no support. The worst part is I'm a mental health first aider. I'm trained to recognise all this stuff. I knew it was happening and I chose to ignore it was happening and thought, you know, people are in a much worse position than I am. People have it much worse than me. I don't deserve to get help. Um, and I just need to man up and, and get on with it and it will get better and stop being so whiny. And actually what I should have done at that point in time was go, whoa, no, this isn't OK. I need to do some self-care and do some work here and maybe even start saying no at work. But I left it too late to do that, really. Um, and I did go off sick in the end because I got very, very poorly. Um, went to a very dark place. As I said, I wasn't dancing. Um, I started drinking pretty much every night which was not healthy and it started with one glass of wine ended up being a bottle of night some days just to try and forget about what had happened during the day uh turns out I overeat as well which I kind of knew but I never really accepted the first few times it happened but cake chocolate biscuits you name it all the good stuff and also just not being mindful of what I was eating as well so it was easier to stick a pizza in the oven than it was to cook a healthy nutritious meal so you know and all of that has a knock-on effect which I've I've done a sort of um a few courses and educated myself on now that if you're getting into that cycle of being stressed being tired not getting enough sleep not eating well drinking too much it's just a vicious cycle and it gets worse and worse and worse and eventually you have to stop and break and I unfortunately broke and then stopped and I was incredibly lucky um 
that my husband was so supportive through the whole thing um but bless him he had one evening where he was like right you need to talk to somebody that's not me because it's taking it was taking its on on him definitely um and he did so well to, to support me up until that point and he did after as well but he, he just needed me to go and vent somewhere else bless him so I went and got in touch with mind um and I cannot thank them enough for the work they did and I cannot recommend them enough um and I worked with a lovely lady called Charlie who was like I'm not surprised you're here <laughs> from what you're telling me like you've done amazing needs to like not come sooner and I remember saying to her I wish I had come sooner now and I wish I'd got help sooner and she said to me everyone says that and I wish people would recognise you don't have to break before you come here. And you don't have to break before you get help. Everyone is worthy of help. And if you feel you need it, you should reach out and get it. And there's plenty of people there who are willing to help. Friends, family, charities like Mind, um, you know, people like yourself. So, yeah, that was an incredible journey to go through and working through all of that. Um, and I also tried Reiki during that period of time as well which I can thoroughly recommend um it's a weird experience I'm not gonna lie but also incredibly emotional and it was almost like I just finally had the opportunity to accept what was happening to me and I don't know how to explain this kind of feeling but I think we're kind of programmed to think that if we break and we're getting help then that's a bad thing and it's not a good thing to have happened to you. And there's a huge stigma still around it, even though there's much more positive and open discussions about mental health. That actually having the Reiki and going through the process of, of speaking to mind, there's almost like an acceptance phase where you have to accept what's happened to you and that what's happened to you is okay. And although it probably isn't your fault, there will be an aspect of, of something that you're doing that you need to try and change to get yourself out of that rut. Um, and once you've gone past that acceptance phase, you can start the healing process and the healing phase. And that was quite a long journey for me. It was probably about three, four months before I started feeling myself free again. Um, and then even longer after that, if I really think about it, it's probably more like six months to get really back to the normal self. But yeah, it was a long process, a long journey. Um, and I'm hoping just by talking about it, that if someone recognises they may be feeling that way and getting some potential triggers going on at the moment that they get help now and don't leave it till it, it gets really bad because it's not a nice place to go to and really opened my eyes as a mental health first aider to actually what it feels like to be that ill um i think we all think we know that but until you've been there and experienced it totally different ball game it's not what you imagine it and it's it's pretty unpleasant i'm not gonna lie <laughs> Yeah, I would completely echo all of the things that you've said there. People really do wait until they can't function anymore before they get help. And a lot of what you're talking about there sounds like self-care and how quickly self-care can kind of be put to one side because you think you've got more important things to worry about. You just need to get this done and then it'll be fine. And then it becomes another thing and another thing and another thing. And before long, you're not cooking properly. You're not doing your hobbies. You're not even talking to people in some cases. The issues with alcohol and overeating are incredibly common and things that I've experienced myself and I've talked about on other episodes. So yeah, I would strongly echo to people that it doesn't have to get that bad in order to go find help. And one of the biggest things for me personally was actually kind of valuing myself enough to have regular support in the form of a therapist, 
even when I don't feel like I need one, because actually that opportunity to work on things, even when you're in a good space, really does set you up for when things do go wrong, which they inevitably do because life happens at some point. Yeah, definitely. And maybe something I've never really thought about before, but it's just popped into my head now, is that actually it's almost, and forgive me for saying this and you're welcome to edit it out, but it's almost arrogant to sit there and think that you're above needing help. And actually, as you said, the reality is you might not feel you need the help right now, but having it and having those tools in your back pocket to be able to manage really stressful situations or really difficult situations in the future, like your future self will thank you for that. And you definitely shouldn't be above the, I need help. And it's almost that kind of attitude, I think, that that contributes to the problem of mental health in the first place is, and people not getting help soon enough. It's just that feeling of, I don't, either I don't deserve it or I'm not unwell enough and I don't need it. And actually, we all need it. I'm I'm really well now, but I still do all of the things that I learned through Mind. Um, I've been doing courses on well-being and self-care, and I'm still learning stuff now. I'm still putting like stuff like that into practice now because it's important to keep being well and not slipping down. And there are days, obviously, where work gets stressful. I mean, the last few weeks of work in my full-time job have been incredibly busy, and I've already moved this uh, recording month on, on the board. Sorry. <laughs> um, but it's just recognising that that's happening and being like, I've got the stuff I need to do to get through this and having the confidence to say no at work, and that's too much now, thank you very much. And recognising when I need a night off, as well so having a full-time job and teaching can be quite full-on and actually I'm one of those people that will put a timetable on that's Monday to Sunday as well as working a full-time job and reality is I know I need to have at least two days where I'm not doing anything <laughs> so it's just having those things in your back pocket on a daily basis you don't have to be unwell to learn about them and actually I think it's really good for people to learn about them even if you're well because there's always something new, there's always something you haven't tried and you never know when you're going to need it. Yeah, and I strongly advocate the idea of trying lots of different things and seeing what works for you personally, because we're all completely different and the techniques that work for me uh, personally aren't necessarily going to be the techniques that work for every client. So one of the challenges that I face is having a big enough toolbox to be able to suggest enough things that something will click with somebody um, during the course of their sessions. So I always advocate kind of a curiosity about what might help you and see if there's something that you can find. But I often talk and have conversations with people about this idea of strength and weakness. And I think that feeds into what you were saying a little bit about the arrogance of not feeling like you need help, but also the kind of stubbornness to think that it's strong not to need help. And having that kind of perception of thinking that maybe is a little bit skewed um, because quite often, the weakness ends up being that inability to go get help because over a period of time things get continually worse and you get worse at coping with it that's just the way it goes so it's really interesting to hear you kind of almost see that as arrogance um, and I'd be inclined to agree to a certain extent but also that kind of stubbornness to say I'll get myself through this even though I have no idea how yep and I don't have the toolbox because I didn't do any of the work while I was well to work out what that toolbox even looks like. Yeah, it's, 
It's a vicious cycle, I think. And it's interesting you brought up the the comment about strength and weakness. And I think a lot of that is um, how society views mental health still, definitely. So you're seen to be strong if you're coping really well and you've got a stressful job and you're making lots of money. And actually, underneath the surface, you have no idea what that person's going through. They might have what seems to be the most fantastic job in the world and they're making a three-figure salary working in the city. But underneath, they're stressed. They're going home, doing what I was doing, drinking a bottle of wine at night just to try and get through the day. And then getting up the next morning thinking, oh, I really don't think I can do today again. But no one talks about it or no one's willing to say, well, actually, it's totally fine if your your lifestyle doesn't or your brain doesn't suit that lifestyle. Actually, it's totally fine if you need to have a part time job to stay well. And it's totally fine if you need to not be working to stay well um, and doing voluntary work instead or anything like that. So it definitely is a societal view on how we should behave and and how we should be, which is something we touched on earlier with the dancing, but I think filters through to all of life and society. And once you break that down and realise actually just just getting through something like that is being strong and just having the toolbox there to, to get through something like that is being strong is really important. And it's definitely something I struggled with while I was poorly. You came across people who just did not know how to talk about it at all. And they didn't know how to talk to me at all. And they were used to normally bubbly, quite happy, confident Gemma. And suddenly I wasn't that person anymore. And they didn't really know how to interact. I found people were scared to ask how I was, just in case I like started crying on them or something. And again, it's that idea of, oh, she's she's not well. And I don't know what to do about it. And she's clearly not strong enough for me to have a conversation with her. And I was still me somewhere in there. It was really, really eye-opening to see how differently people behaved um, and treat you when you're, especially when you're open about it. So I wasn't hiding what was going on. I couldn't hide what was going on because it was affecting my life in so many different areas. But yeah, and then you get the people who, who were really like, right, what's going on? Go and get a cup of tea, sit down, talk to me. And bless them, they don't know what to say either, but they're still willing to listen and understand what's going on and it's it's just incredible really that two different viewpoints of, of mental health and how to help somebody so I guess if you know someone who's going through some mental health issues I would say educate yourself on mental health and what that actually means I think people talk about it a lot but nobody really I say nobody that's that's uh, an exaggeration but a lot of people don't do the work to educate themselves and what that actually means and I certainly didn't until I got really poorly like I said I was a mental health first aider was a massive advocate of talking about it openly and honestly but hadn't appreciated that actually probably how I was behaving towards people who were feeling that low was exactly the way people were behaving towards me when I felt that low and it really changed my attitude on it so I definitely encourage conversations and listening to things like this hopefully will help as well um, just break down that barrier of it's strong to just keep going and actually it's stronger to not just keep going and get some help and talk about it because it takes an incredible amount of personal strength to open up about your feelings definitely especially when it's like it's stuff like you know I was saying I remember having a conversation with somebody saying I feel like I've fallen down a hole and it's really dark and I just can't get back out and I'm trying like it's just like no one's giving me a rope to get out and they just went 
Oh, and that's literally the only response I had. They didn't know how to respond with anything. And then they changed the conversation. And that's quite a dark, deep, emotional thing to have talked about. And then they were like, so how's the weather? <laughs> and it's just, wow, okay. So I think being prepared to have those conversations is really important as well. Especially if you ask the question, how are you? And somebody says that, it's uh, tricky. Definitely. Yeah, it's really fascinating working as a therapist and also going through my own therapy as well. How often people ask that question, how are you? And they really don't mean it. They're really not interested in the answer. And when you go to things like sessions with a therapist, when they ask how you are, suddenly like they actually mean it. They want you to spend the next hour talking about how are you? And it's such an alien concept. So I guess my advice would be for people who ask that question, let the person talk about it. You don't have to fix it for them. You don't have to do anything even. Just listen to what that feels like for that person. And that will give you a really good starting point. So yeah, it can be hard for people who haven't experienced it to really understand. Definitely. And you raise a really good point about you don't have to fix it. I'm definitely a fixer. And I'm the sort of person that likes to fix things for people. And that was a big learning curve. Um, I've got loads of friends who were trying to do the same thing. So they were trying to suggest ways to help me and what I could do to get it better. Um, my husband was doing the same thing. My family were doing the same thing. They all want you to get better because obviously they, they want you to be the happy person that you were before or any of that sort of stuff. And I think there's a, a struggling to accept that, uh, that you're ill on their part. And B, there's a, this massive outpouring of love that they want you to get better, but they don't necessarily recognize that you have to do it your own way and you've got to find your own way of coping with it and as we were saying this is why you should have a massive toolbox full of loads of different techniques because you need to know which one's going to work for you and giving people space to get better as well so I found it almost suffocating at times of this massive will of everyone else around me to be like get better get better get better I was like I'm really trying I really am trying I promise I'm trying I just don't know what I'm doing and I don't know how long it's going to take and it's not like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be like yeah cool I'm all right now <laughs> I'm not just going to suddenly fly out of that bottomless pit and have grown wings to get out of there it's going to take a lot of work and and it was a lot of work, definitely. Uh, like I said, it took months of just appreciating little things to start with. So I remember having lunch and looking out the window and just watching some birds on the bird table and for the first time feeling happy in like months and just went, oh my God, there's that feeling that's not been there for a while. <laughs> and just sat watching the birds and started crying because I was like, oh my God, the happiness has come back. It's there, it's still there. <laughs> it will come out. And I think as well, when, when you're supporting somebody through mental health that will to have the old them back is really important to recognize that they won't be the same person once they've come through the other side but that's not a bad thing they'll probably end up a lot stronger and a lot more confident and they'll know themselves even better than when they first went through that process because they know that they can get through it and as we've discussed they'll know what they need to do to keep themselves well again and that's really interesting from the perspective of the person who's been ill to watch is this massive like need for you to be the old person and you're like I'm not I'm not ever going to be that old person again but that's a good thing and trying to have those conversations was quite difficult 
and especially when you're not feeling yourself at all you're still going through the process of healing and you're trying to explain this concept of I know this is going to change me but I know it's going to be all right but right now I appreciate I'm crying or you know going for walks on my own because I just need some time to get my head straight or I'm just looking vacant because I'm looking out the window at birds um, it's really difficult for people around you to kind of appreciate that you're going through a process and that it's going to take a little bit of time and you'll change yeah I think that's um really well described what recovery is actually like and it's these little flashes of just moments even microseconds where you suddenly feel something a bit different to that kind of low possibly nothing dark place and really recovery is just about building on those little moments but but yeah I think um definitely the way you've explained how other people react is is really good as well because I mean that was my experience too people are so well-meaning but also so unhelpful at the same time and when they're people that you love that can be really really challenging so yeah I think that's a really really well put way of what that feels like (laughs) yeah definitely and I there's bits as well because I went I went to a really bad place that I don't remember and it's it's terrifying there's days or weeks where I'm like I just feels like I was in cotton wool or it's really foggy in my memory and I don't actually know who said what when or where and people will bring up they're like oh do you remember when you were unwell and you did this I was like no that's terrifying I don't remember saying that I don't remember doing that um and that's always surprising for people as well they're like how can you not remember it's like because my brain wasn't working properly it wasn't doing what it's supposed to be doing to keep me well it was just not it's gone into survival mode basically which is just trying to keep you still here um and making sure you get food and water and sleep and that's literally all it's trying to do is just get you through the day so you're not gonna have been forming really good memories at that point in time so that was quite a challenging thing for me to go through as well and uh, there was one moment where I text my friend because her daughter's birthday was in the middle of me going through all this. And I'd completely forgotten that I'd sent a birthday card or a birthday present. And about, I think it was four or five months later, I just went, oh my God, did I not, how did I not send that? And I panicked and texted and was like, I'm really sorry, I can't believe I didn't. And she was like, she's playing with it right now. And she sent me a photo. And I was like, oh my God. So that's quite an interesting and terrifying process that I'm still going through because there's still things that I'm like oh I I totally didn't realize that I did that or was feeling that way and that still surprises people around you as well so it's always a journey and I don't think it ever ends as such I think you're always learning about yourself and the way you cope with situations but I think to anyone going through this I would always say there's a light at the end of the tunnel or there's a light at the top of the pit that you're trying to get out of, which is probably the best visual representation I can uh, give of how I felt. But it doesn't mean that that's the end of the journey and actually you'll continue to grow as a person afterwards and that's exciting and scary all at the same time. Um, But fun when you get there and you finally get all those really happy feelings coming back. Actually on the subject of happiness as well, I think it's important to note that you don't have to be happy all the time. I think this is another social thing and social stigma that um, social media definitely has a role to play in, but there's this idea that you have to be constantly happy and looking like you're having a great time. You really don't, guys. (laughs) It's okay to be a bit sad every now and then. It's okay to have a day where you're bored. 
it's okay to have a day where you don't feel like doing very much. You just want to stay in your PJs. Uh, not going to lie, we're on Zooms and you can see the top half of me, but I've got my pajama bottoms on the bottom. Um, and that's, you know, it's okay to be lazy every now and then as well. I think there's, uh, with social media, again, the idea that you have to be constantly busy and constantly doing interesting things puts a lot of pressure on people. And then you feel guilty when you're not happy or you feel guilty when you're not doing anything. And that contributes to this idea of constantly being stressed, which then contributes to poor mental health. So once you start becoming aware of these things, once you've gone through a journey like the one I've gone through, you suddenly realise that the world's a little bit broken and actually you're probably all right and you're not the one that's broken. And that's if that's one thing people can take away, I think, from this conversation is A, get help early and B, it's okay to just do nothing sometimes. There's no pressure to be super busy, super happy all the time. Yeah, I'd say to add to that, even as a therapist who is still going through huge amounts of education and different types of therapy, different tools, absolutely, I have days where I feel low. I have days where I'm feeling a bit stressed. I have days where I can't be asked. <laughs> when I'm really productive, days when I'm not productive at all. Like, life is lots of different things and in many ways you have to experience all of them in order to really appreciate like the good moments and the happy moments and I, I would strongly agree with you that social media has a role to play in that and you only have to look at hashtags like living my best life and things like that to really understand how important it's become to people to put this image across that everything that is happening to them is always good and it can't be real it's not true it's not possible. It's not Absolutely possible. not. I, you've just made me think now, next time I'm in the studio and I'm dancing in my pyjamas, I'm actually going to film it and put it up because I think people need to see that that's like, sometimes that's reality. Sometimes I get there and I can't be bothered to put my heels on or get dressed or put any makeup on. Still doesn't mean that I'm a bad person and it doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. So maybe that's a, a little personal challenge that I'll add. <laughs> Watch this space. Oh dear. I think as well, when you're saying you, you go through cycles of, of productivity and, and bad days and can't be bothered and things like that, I think it's important to note um, for people who menstruate in particular, your cycle has a massive impact on your mood and people don't appreciate how much that affects you. And that was actually part of my um, healing process was learning about that because that for me is a big thing and it affects me in a really massive way. So I started tracking my cycle and knowing when I was going to have a bad week, PMSy week, and be quite stressed and tired and not productive, and then tracking the weeks where I'm going to be more productive and more willing to kind of do expressive styles of dance rather than just sitting in my PJs. Um, and that was really eye-opening and empowering as well. So I, I would definitely recommend people doing some research on that. And um, I, I read up a lot on it. And it makes so much sense. Like once you start tracking it and you start writing down the weeks and you write a little mood diary alongside it, I was like, wow, who knew? Who knew that in this particular week, that's why um, I'm really grumpy and that's why I don't want to do anything. And it's been great for my relationship with my husband because now I just tell him like this week I need chocolate, avocado, spinach <laughs> because diet's really important. Um, and you need to just leave me alone for a week if that's all right and he's like okay cool <laughs> whereas before we would be having you know I'd be really snappy and stressed with him 
and it's little stuff like I'd come home from teaching and the washing up hadn't been done and the washing up's my job in the household that's just how we um sort of hand out the jobs because he cooks and I'd be like oh my god you haven't done the washing up how dare you not try and help me out in a week where I'm really busy and he's like every other week it's fine so that's quite I think important to track as well and just to be aware of other factors that can influence your mood and once you've got that I don't know it's great you can just start planning your life around knowing that's going to happen and again it's another thing in your toolkit so yeah definitely knowing yourself is a really key aspect of being able to understand those things because yes like you said for those people who have um, monthly periods and go through a hormonal cycle you have to acknowledge that there's going to be an impact there I mean we know what things like estrogen does to the way we feel even so yeah definitely all part of knowing yourself one of the key things that I like doing with clients and I often recommend is keeping like a thoughts and feelings diary and then having a look back and seeing if there are any patterns as to when your thoughts go particularly dark and when your feelings become really challenged um, because the only way of understanding these things is to to know what's happening and there'll be aspects of that that you can't help and that's okay as well it's okay to know that there are going to be weeks that aren't as good as others and the good thing about knowing it is you can plan for it so you can plan to particularly for me as i'm self-employed it's something that I can plan around and I plan my training around my cycle and things like that. So yeah, definitely. I think that's great advice for people. Definitely. And I'm the same. I plan my training around it as well. So there's a week, a month where I'm like not doing anything particularly difficult or strenuous. And sometimes I forget and sometimes I'm naughty and I still try. And then I get halfway through a training session and I'm frustrated with myself because it's not working. And then I just have to take a breath and go, hang on, you know why this is happening. You do know that you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> and you just have to, it's always that self-regulating and self-managing, um, which is such an important thing to be able to do and just take a step back and a breather and appreciate. Training's not always going to go well. Um, same with anything in life. You can have days where sometimes it just doesn't go well. But being able to take a step back, understand why it's happening and then put your self-regulatory stuff in place to manage it is really useful so yeah definitely recommend getting to know yourself and knowing your toolkit yeah that's amazing really really good advice um I realize we have been going for quite a long time do you need to go no I I'm fine oh gosh wow it's because we've got into some really interesting topics I'm okay for probably another 10 10 minutes or so so if there's anything okay, else we had talked about um, doing some work on body positivity, but I think at this stage, we're probably getting to the point where um, we've given so much information that uh, I think this particular episode is probably done. Um, so it might be in the future that we come back and have another talk about body positivity, because I know that's a really big thing for you. Um, and it's a really big thing about the classes that you really try and create is a really body positive atmosphere, um, because pole dancing especially it really is for kind of any shape and size there's not really any one type of body that is best for pole dancing yeah absolutely and I'd be I think we could be here for another hour so I'm still to talk about it on another episode um but just definitely getting that message out there that it really does not matter what body shape size or anything you have and um I think the one point I want to drum home without going into it into too much detail is that you're constantly given messages that you're not good enough um, through social media, through advertising. It's because people want to make money. 
they want to make money out of you feeling rubbish. Let's be really frank and honest about it. Um, and that really bothers me. It makes me quite cross. So I won't go into it into loads of detail, but you are good enough and you are worth doing whatever you want to do with your life. And if you want to come and do pole dancing, then come and do pole dancing. It doesn't matter if you are really thin. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're really curvy. Everybody's body is different. There is no one perfect body. We've all got lumps and bumps that we think we don't like. And actually, you just need to train your brain to like them. And then you're like, oh, actually, I really like them. Um, and you'd be amazed suddenly what happens when you start going, oh, I like that bit of me now. OK, so now I can start like just maybe I could do this when I'm dancing. And it's really incredible. And so that's probably my biggest um, message to get across is like, just screw what everyone else thinks and come and enjoy yourself. You don't have to film, first of all. Secondly, you don't have to do it for anyone else other than you. And so just ignore them. You don't even have to tell anyone you're coming. Just come and have a, good, a nice hour, enjoy yourself. And that's that goes for whatever you wanna do. It doesn't have to be pole dancing. It can be playing sport. It can be going to the gym, river a swim, just, you know, whatever makes you happy, you should do it and not, don't hold back because you've only got one life and, I think if you could get to the end of your life and look back and go, I don't regret anything. And I had the best life. and I did all the things that make me happy and didn't care what anyone else thinks. I think that's great. If you get to the end of your life and you're sat there going, oh, I wish I'd done that, but I didn't because I was too scared because I was worried about what other people are going to think. But that's, that's such a shame. So just get out there and grab it while you can. I know we're in lockdown, so obviously we're, <laughs> we're a little bit limited on what we can do, but make a plan for when we get out of lockdown to go and do all these exciting things and who cares what joe blogs on instagram thinks or even your mum if your mum makes comments about it it's not up to her what you do with your life it's up to you so definitely my biggest piece of advice grab life by the horns and just go for it <laughs> amazing absolutely amazing so if people want to find out more about you what you do your online classes at the moment but your studio in the future where can they find you yeah so if you um check out everybody dance and fitness we've got an instagram account um <laughs> because there's me using social media even though i'm like i hate it um facebook and we've also got a website everybodydanceandfitness.com um you're more than welcome to drop me a message more than happy to talk to people about what we do because i know it's quite a scary step for some people um, and yeah, we've got online classes going on at the moment as well. So you can book those through the website and it's quite a good opportunity to kind of get to know the sort of stuff we do in a safe space because you're at home and you don't have to have your Zoom camera on. You can turn it off. So literally you could sit and have a cup of tea and watch me <laughs> roll around the floor for about an hour if you want to and just see what it's like. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see some people soon. And yeah, some of your classes you don't even need a pole for. You can just come and learn some of the basics off the pole and some of the sexier side of, of doing things away from the pole as well. So yeah, don't even need a pole, guys. Don't even need a pole. And we've also got non-sexy stuff. If you're not quite ready for that yet, there's some stretch classes and, and some strength and conditioning classes as well. So everyone's welcome. Um, and I just, I love having people, so come. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for giving us the time today. Um, I've really appreciated the honesty that we've had talking about things like pole, but also your own experiences as well. So yeah, a huge thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been lovely. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast for notifications on future episodes. And if you have the time to write a quick review, then that would be greatly appreciated. To find out more about me and the work that I do, please head to www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.